I have to admit, I used to be a little bit of a book snob. I wouldn't even consider a Kindle, let alone an audiobook. It just felt like cheating. But that is until I tried Audible and Open Audible. Ever wonder where I find the time to read all the books that my guests have written on this show? Well, this is the answer. When I'm behind in my reading, I just jump to audiobook. Open Audible is a cross-platform audiobook manager designed for Audible users that can allow you to download, view, manage, and connect your favorite audiobooks on MP3 so that you can enjoy them across all your devices. Best of all, you can control it all from a desktop application. I'm giving away a copy of Open Audible for the entire month of November. All you have to do is sign up to my mailing list. You'll find the link in the description below or go to openaudible.org for more information. Today's podcast is sponsored by the guys in the flag jackets. Gary and Jim are the guys in the flag jackets. Every week, these two sit down and discuss a wide variety of political issues, all the way from the weird and wonderful world of local politics to more obscure political ideas and concepts. Ever wondered about the 1979 Chicago mayoral election? Well, I hadn't either until these guys came along and blew my mind. Or did you know that the layout of the ballot can have a crazy influence upon the way you vote? Neither did I, but thankfully Gary and Jim were there to tell me all about it. So if you want a fun and intriguing look into US politics from a unique perspective, check out the guys in the Flag Jackets podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. You'll find the link in the description below. So hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Chatter. Today I'm here with Leilani Dowding, self-appointed social commentator and former <laughs> reality TV star. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. Do you know what, it's funny, I have that on my Twitter bio because it was before I was doing GB News or anything. I just realised I was like commentating about all social aspects of everything. So I thought, you know what, I'll just call myself one. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know what the exact qualifications are, but... Uh... I don't think there are any, but everyone, everyone's a social commentator, right? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I guess so. We aren't, everyone is now, aren't they? We're every, no one can help themselves. But, um, you know, luckily it's progressed a bit further. And I, I do, you know, it's funny. My fiance was like, no one cares about your views. And then all of a sudden I was on GB News and he's like, I'm not GB News, you know, I don't care. <laughs> he had to change it. Uh, yeah, GB News has been interesting. Like it was... <laughs> A bit of a chaotic start to its um to its life, and I wasn't really sure that the that Britain needed another another twenty four hour like news outlet, but yeah. the, they've they've done all right. I mean that they they have more debate like actual debate than than like Sky News or BBC are ever capable of. So I mean it's at least interesting. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's like, um, it's not like your normal news shows. A lot of them, you know, they'll have the headlines at the top of the hour and then they just kind of discuss the news. So I don't know how it was at the start. I never watched it at the start. I didn't really watch it until they asked me to come on a couple of times. But um, I do like the formats of it and they're, they're prepared to, you know, listen to different opinions and stuff, which is what, you know, which is what I like. But, um, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, there's so many... There's so many debates that like I feel need to be had in the in in the public discourse at the minute that just don't get had and at least seems like GB News are are attempting to forge that path. Like whether they do a fantastic job is like I'm sure they'll they'll get there but yeah, yeah, I know, but there are still so many things, you know, like right now I'm just trying to say to everybody, can someone talk about what's going on with the farmers in the UK? And um I just posted a farmer yesterday and he um warned 
that they, there would be an egg shortage. And he said that the narrative is going to be it's because of avian flu, but it's not. This is the reason. Um, and supermarkets are raising prices of eggs. They're not pass, They're not raising the prices. They pay farmers for eggs. But there's been an increase in how much it costs to produce eggs. So a lot of farmers are like, right, we're not going to produce eggs then because, you know, we're not going to get paid properly for it. It's going to cost us more to make eggs to, you know, get the chickens to make the eggs than it is that we're going to get paid for it. Um, so there's, yeah, there's this whole, you know, and, and then the media are all trying to say it's because of avian flu. So, mm. you know. Actually, I've, I've got your Twitter here. I can play the video for people. I'm not sure. I don't think you'll be able to hear it, but I can play it for people just briefly. I think it's only a short video, right? Yeah, the Welsh guy, two minutes. Yeah. Hello, hello. It's me again with another egg video. I thought I better get this one out there uh, before the supermarkets put their story across and cancel everyone else out. So when you go into a supermarket now, you might see that there is a bit of an egg shortage. So not many eggs on the shelf to buy, not free range, not organic, not, nothing. So you're struggling to find eggs. Supermarkets are gonna tell you this is because of avian flu, which to be fair, there has been a lot of cases of avian flu. But do you want to know the real reason why there's an egg shortage? It's because the supermarkets won't pay the farmers for the eggs. So the supermarkets have upped their price for you, the consumer. But they haven't filtered that price increase down to us, the farmers. So our cost of producing these eggs has skyrocketed. Feed, electric, the price of new birds, that's gone up. But our price of eggs has stayed the same. So we physically can't afford to produce these eggs. So currently there's been 8 million less free range hens ordered for next year's flocks. So that's just under 8 million eggs every day that we're not gonna be producing. So that's 8 million eggs less every single day that we don't produce. And we're already 3 million eggs short of being self-sufficient. So the UK have to import 3 million eggs every day to feed the nation. And now we're losing another 8 million birds because the supermarkets won't pay us. And they're gonna blame the farmers. They'd be like, oh, well, the farmers just stock them and produce you great British food. But we can't afford to. We, if the supermarkets paid us a fair price for our eggs, then we would stock our sheds and there would be more sheds going up and the UK could be self-sufficient in great British eggs, but the supermarkets won't pay us. So if you can make any sense of that, or if you have any questions, I'm happy to answer. But yeah, the current egg shortage isn't really due to avian. Wow. Crazy, right? Wow, that is absolutely insane. I had not heard about this at all. And that's the thing, people aren't going to hear about it. They're only going to hear that there's um, a shortage of eggs because of bird flu. But it's, you know, and then and then the media will say like, well, you know, it's just one farmer. Well, okay, it's your job, media, to now go and speak to other farmers who are going to say the same thing. And, and then I had posted another farmer who put this whole graph up and it's crazy, isn't it? And this guy actually warned about it about three or four days before you know, the Daily Mail and the Sun started talking about the egg shortage due to avian flu. So, uh, you know, I think it's done with farmers in the UK with all kinds of things. Like, why are they? 
why are they fucking with the farmer so bad? Like, like this, <laughs> I don't get it. Like, I, I don't know if you saw uh, the the Jeremy uh, Jeremy Clarkson's Clarkson's Farm uh, yeah, series on Amazon, absolutely. which hilarious. I love, the the guy's just a fantastic TV presenter. I mean, I'd I'd watch him do anything, <laughs> probably. But uh, he he was like he made an um, he did an amazing job of making this point that that farmers are getting screwed, and now that they've yeah. lost um, a lot of the EU subsidies because um the government has decided not to top like not to like match them after brexit because that's the problem it's not because of brexit it's because the government chose not to match them right um, and and then yeah like with the the cost going up like why don't the supermarket i don't understand why the supermarkets don't just charge more because like eggs cost nothing like yeah like, well, it's, <laughs> yeah it's mad and they charge but they won't pay more and it's just like it's it's crazy and i think this is happening farmers have you know, I put this out to a couple of people and then someone else said, oh, my friend's a potato farmer. He said the same thing. So I think it's a, it's one of those things, isn't it? If you control the food, you control the people. You know, if you have food shortages, you know, you can start introducing certain things for control. So, you know, I do I do think there's that. And if they put a lot of farmers out of business, they're gonna, there's going to be cheaper land to buy up. Farmers might start selling their land all kinds of reasons you know it could be behind it um and you know you can think those through you, you know them yourselves but yeah, yeah i think i think control has a lot to do with it that like a, everything that's a risky fucking game if i <laughs> this is this is one of the things i bring up to people all the time who are like i don't know i, I brought this up to oh i'm gonna blank on the name now David, uh, David Edgerton, who, who's like a, a historian of science and technology and just a really, really intelligent political commentator. And I was just like, do, do, do people not realize that like poverty and leads to revolution? Like do, do the people at the top, like do they, are they trying to play this game? Because like, I, th I think the quote is something like every country is three meals away from a revolution. And, and why? Like, why would you screw with the food supply? <laughs> It's mad, isn't it? But you know what? You know what? I think this is why they've brought in these weird rules and laws that people have talked about before. You start hearing the word terrorist being thrown around. Like, you know, um, in America, if you were a Trump supporter, you know, Biden's kind of said, yeah, like a bit of a terrorist. And look at David Icke. He went over to, to, to Netherlands to support the Dutch farmers. They banned him from the EU. Now he's a grade three terrorist, whatever the grades are, I have no idea, but whatever people might think of the guy, like I actually, I actually like David Icke, but whatever people might think of him, whether it's a conspiracy theorist or he's crazy, whatever, he's definitely not a terrorist. So this is the kind of moves and language and all sorts they're using. And he was literally there to raise support for the Dutch farmers. It's a two year travel ban. That's wild. Why isn't it mental? And when I first saw Gareth Ike post that, I thought for a minute, I, I, I misread it and I thought it was just Holland. Um, and then I reread it and I'm like, it's the That's entire EU. The BBC headline says conspiracy theorist banned from, from Netherlands. Um, so the BBC, that's fake news, come on. <laughs> but but yeah. there you go, like, this is the thing, even if they call him a conspiracy theorist, how's that terrorism? It's like, it's just mental i've heard him say a lot of wild things but i've never heard him call for violence ever 
ever he do you know what no, oh never ever he's always talking about love and the way through it is through love um and all of that but yeah like never has never called for violence yeah he falsely said mr Ike rose to prominence fringe theories in the 90s so i'm just reading the bbc article i always find it hilarious. <laughs> I, I always find it interesting how they describe um people like this um yeah. He falsely said the virus was spread by 5G mobile phone networks and a Jewish group was involved. <laughs> oh, I think they're making that up. Yeah, I mean, they never talk about There's a fantastic video. I wish I'd actually prepared it. Maybe be able to find it while we're talking of him talking about um, why they need to target the farmers. And and I, I it was about, yeah, like, you, like you'd mentioned, control of the food supply. And, yeah. And like, yeah. So, that's probably what he's been banned for. Really. Yes. Um, I actually posted that. Yeah, I actually posted that as well. I posted that. That's on my Twitter somewhere. Oh yeah, maybe I'll find it while we're, while we're chatting here. But like, how, how did like he's also very famous for for his uh, lizard people theory, which was yeah. uh, I don't know about that. I mean, <laughs> that's like pretty no, like, pretty far out. I guess, I mean, I'm, I don't know all the details of it. I guess what he's done is he's looked at different. Um, reptilian beings in ancient religions perhaps i don't i don't know enough about it to like you know talk about any of that or no, say no. what they didn't say but yeah no i think it, it come down to um different you know ancient religions and stuff mm. i mean but people you like people people are free to believe whatever wild shit they want yeah. like so it's insane to me that someone's been banned from a country because of their political views. Like that's what you, that's what you hear about. That's why I don't want to go to China because I've had too many people on this show talking right. about about like the 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 Uyghur genocide and like China's yes. awful foreign policy and well, internal policy and you know that's why I don't want to go to China because I'm concerned that if I went there I would be arrested right and never get out. Oh. And that's but that's what you expect from a totalitarian regime. You don't expect that from the place that's literally like that preach themselves as like the home of like freedom and liberalism in the West. Like, <laughs> well, this is the thing. It's like what's going on. So you know, the more things like this happen, the more he seems correct in what he's been saying for like decades that this is the way everything's creeping, and all these conspiracy theories seem to just play themselves out. You know, it's like. How, how, like you said, how has that happened? This is Europe. Like, what is going on? You can't say that you want to support the farmers and help round people up together. And it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's scary. It's scary the way it's going. It's really disturbing. And it Can I just pop <laughs> Hold on one second. Yeah, don't worry. <laughs> I don't have COVID. That's I've got right. a bit of a cold from Friday night. <clears throat> That's right. Well, I mean, it's not, not like I'd be in any danger sitting here anyway. <laughs> I've also never officially ever tested positive for it, which is funny. Um, no, me neither. Me neither. I think I had the OG one in February 2020. But um, yeah. Anyway, so uh, last night as well, speaking of crazy things that went down, last night we had the US midterms and things have not panned out the way that many people were predicting. They saw, yeah, we saw everyone was predicting there would be a red wave. I spoke to um, Adam Coleman about it um, earlier in the week when he was over in London. And he was just thinking they were going to get blown away. And they seem to have held on to a lot more seats than than was predicted. Um, 
what, what do you think is happening there? Like, uh, did people just not get out to vote? Is there more crazy well, people in America than we thought? <laughs> I honestly think, well, first of all, um, I've seen videos now where people have gone up to polling stations and the polling booths aren't working mm. um, or they've, they've had their ballots misread and then they've been told. I've seen two videos, actually. One was, I'm, I'm not going to be able to pronounce it correctly, Maricopa, Maricopa County, yes. I saw that and the guy's like, nothing's working. It hasn't been working for a while. Then there was another lady trying to explain like that you just put your ballot sheet in here and somebody's going to read them and there's going to be a Democrat and Republican sit through and manually read them all. So there's this going on, so broken machines. Oh, what a surprise. But also my friend Mitch Feinstein, he's, um, he's from New York. He actually has written a book called Planet Ponzi. He's an author. Um, he's in the fi in finance. He told me categorically that he went, they asked him for his ID and he said he didn't have any just to test out. Um, and they said, oh, don't worry, just type your name in. So you can go up, you can, you can put anyone's name in. You can go to as many booths as you want, type in all your mates that are going to vote Republican and just change it to Democrat. I mean, the system is so broken it's insane. Yeah. Yeah. I've just got, I pulled up a video here. The Maricopa County said that 20% uh, of polling places were experiencing problems with the machines tabulating votes. Like, and this wasn't the only place in which I saw it. And I'm not even suggesting that there's anything nefarious going on whatsoever, YouTube. Oh, um, no. For, but <laughs> like, honestly, like, oh, and last night I saw nothing but Democrats, like as, as well as this happening, I saw nothing but Democrats claiming that the vote had been suppressed, that this wasn't a legitimate election. And it honestly feels like none of the people in America actually trust the voting system whatsoever, no. maybe unless they win, right? <laughs> in which case, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the truth has prevailed. But uh, like the thing that really gets me is like, why the fuck are they still using these stupid voting machines? Like, I, know. I can I can pull up and I will actually I'll pull up this. Look, there's um there was a, a report done by CNN. Right. Um, Like a good couple of years ago. And um, they 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 talked about how, how hackable. Right. The voting machines. Oh, were, right. right. Like uh, it, it was completely insane like completely insane they were they, they did like a full report on it and they went and showed them and it was like people being like yeah this um here it is what's this hacker break into a voting machine Two, 2019 oh they're not gonna let me play the video oh um, what a surprise i think i'm in the wrong country probably probably uh location locked oh no here it is i can play it DEFCON Voting Village is the only third-party independent assessment team of voting machines, as far as we know, in the entire world. Uh, so people come here to really kick the wheels, no, figure out exactly how these machines work, what the vulnerabilities are, so we can make more secure elections. Yeah, there's a million different ways to interact with this thing. Just kind of exploring like, what's going on with printing. This is the AccuVote TSX. It's used in 18 different states, eight of which are swing states. going to start rebooting and you're going to see that it's having trouble rebooting because there's no card reader and now you have full admin access on this machine so you can disrupt the election you can disrupt people's confidence in the election 
When you think about admin access, you can think about like keys to the castle. When you have admin access, you own the machine. You can get it to do what you want it to do. So you can imagine that being very nefarious. U.S. elections are so complex that we humans cannot do a manual count. We are dishonest and we are error prone. So we have to use machines while we know that the machines are hackable. So now the question is, we use the machine and now we verify the results by doing a risk limiting audit and this is where you know that the machine didn't cheat. But you cannot trust machine as a white paper ballot. It's insane, like, yeah, I hope you can see the, the what do you call it? the subtitles there it's it like honestly i've no like the, the guy there's like we can't hand count the ballots it's like what like are you kidding me like how much do you think these these voting machines cost like it's got to be in the tens and tens of thousands if not millions right for the for these machines and they, they why not just pay like a thousand people to to do it for an evening instead of instead of using the machine and and you know I don't know, pay people to count them three fucking times if you really need. But, like, France has all their ballots counted by, like, like 11 p.m. on the same day. And I have no understanding of why they continue to rely on this. And the best bit was, like, the Democrats were like, oh, you know, the freest, safest, fairest election in history after 2020, after all the questions that the Republicans raised. And um, then they had two years in charge of all three branches of government in which they could have funded as much money as fucking possible into really making sure that there could be zero questions about this again in order to prevent what they claim was the greatest attack upon American democracy since 9-11 on January 6th. And to prevent that, they could make it as, as, as like reasonable and fair and not even fair as like as transparent and as like unfuckable with as possible and they chose to do nothing and then i saw hillary clinton with a fucking video was like oh the republicans are preparing to steal this and be like you could have like fortified this shit and you did yeah. nothing it's crazy isn't it so it was funny because two years ago it was impossible for it to be hacked or stolen or anything but now hillary clinton's out saying they're gonna steal this and you know, it's it, it, it's it's just mind blowing to me. It's mind blowing, and then you see it. You know, obviously, all these videos were coming out on social media about how, um, you know, how you know you can do the hacking, or how people weren't being asked for ID, or how the machines are broken. Yet, you saw in the news channels. I saw these two people saying. Don't watch social media. If you want to know what's fair, make sure you watch us, the news. Do not watch social media. And it's like, oh, wait, why? Because social media is explaining what a corrupt system it is and how messed up it is and how the votes aren't being recorded properly and everything else, you know. So um, it's just a joke what's going on. It's a com and, and, like, just look at Brazil. Look at Brazil. No one's even showing barely the the uh, protests going on over, over that fake result yeah i mean well i don't know enough about the brazilian elections to know what the fuck's going on um but <laughs> i know that there was massive protest like unbelievable um yeah like absolutely insane um nationwide protest spark in brazil right here we go nbc that'll do for a for a video for people um tonight anger it's boiling in brazil completely insane that they that like people people have zero trust in the system anymore like they have absolutely no trust whatsoever in in the fact that like when they go to a ballot box right and and say put their vote in then they, it's like they no one trusts that that's actually yeah. gonna count 
And, and how can they anymore? How I mean, how can they really after we've seen what happens and we've seen the lies out their mouth and the manipulation and just how sneaky they are? Like it doesn't surprise me. How can anyone trust any of it anymore? Yeah, I, it's and do you know what? Honestly, the thing that really gets me about it is like, you know, and it, you know, there was and I never saw like proof, like proof, proof of, of any shit going down in, in 2020. There was like there was a lot of very suspicious things. Yeah. But we never got an investigation and therefore you can't really say what happened. Right. But the thing that gets me is, is like, look, if, if say for like, I think it was like 40 percent of the American population didn't have trust in the in the 2020 election. Right. Surely that's a massive fucking problem for the people in charge. I and then on the other side, that's there's the people claiming like voter suppression. They're claiming um, like loads of different like you know, oh you have to have ID. That's you know racist, which never <laughs> never made sense to yeah. me. Especially like yeah. we're having this debate in Britain when you can get free voter cards from local councils. Right, that's a thing. There is no financial barrier whatsoever to getting a, like a, a voter ID. But uh, well, if you ask, like, if you ask black people in America or any minority in America or even Mexicans in America and say, or but the legitimate ones that are legally living there, right? And you say, do you have an ID? They'll be, of course I can't. Of course I do. Like, it would be racist to actually think that I don't have an ID. So it's the whole thing again where they just turn words around and and they use like they throw out racist, transphobe, a COVID denier, uh, anti-vaxxer. They throw these words out willy nilly, however they want. When they when they haven't got a valid point, mm. they just try and shut things down. Like, oh, you're racist. You want people to show IDs? You must be a racist. Really? Why? You're you're actually racist by saying you don't believe that Black Americans, Mexican Americans, whatever, uh, Asian Americans don't have IDs. Yeah, and the same in Britain. It's like, oh, so you think like minority people from minority background don't have ID? Like like Zuby, yeah. um, who yeah. had on the show, he was. We talked about the how it was the racism of low expectations. It's like, yeah. which is when he first said that to me a couple of years ago. It was the first time I ever heard that term, really, and I was just like, "Holy shit, you're so right!" Like, why would I well, assume that someone time. doesn't have it? Because yeah, it's the first time I heard it, and it's uh, just right now. And yeah, it is. It is completely. So, like, with with all of this happening then like you said the social media has become this place where people are going for truth and understanding and and trying to get like the real the real understanding of what's happening um because yeah trust in the press continues to to go down it's really funny they think that people actually still trust them and i have i anyone that i meet that does i'm just like oh and anyone that comes at me about about these things like from the left i i start i could i could sit there and there's zero way that i could sit that they could like deny anything i say because i will literally come at them with facts and and yeah like things to back up all of these things that we're saying it's like that's that's the thing that gets me is that some people seem to live in this world where like they're correct and like there is no way that anyone could be right and and i i i'm encouraged by by my best friend he's just like you he says he said to me recently, he was like, you have to consider that every single thing you know, believe or understand is completely wrong. And and there's a massive portion of people who are meant to be journalists who actually are meant to think that way. Yeah, yeah. Who have zero, it's like, no, I am the stenographer of the truth. And yeah, they won't question. It's, it's like, 
what's happened to this like people when we were young didn't we all used to ask like why oh how how does that work why why is that happening and maybe it's like from people being told like Shh, you don't need to know mm-hmm. or like parents not but i've always been that annoying person that was at school yeah but why i don't get it why and then it was weird when teachers can't really explain why or they didn't know why because they just learnt the outcome rather than the process or whatever. So they can even, even if it was correct, they still didn't know, like, why? How does that happen, like, to get to that answer kind of thing? Because they don't know the process because they've just learnt, like, this is what you have to learn. Don't question it. This is correct. That's all you need to know. Everything else is outside the syllabus. Well, no, that's sorry, that doesn't work for me. Yeah, I mean, it never, and uh, I, I was always that annoying why kid. Uh, <laughs> I never, I never got rid of that instinct, fortunately, no, me for me. But so, what, what takes you from someone who was weren't you in Miss Miss Universe for the UK, right? Yeah. So, what takes yeah. you from what twenty takes, years ago though? Well, it still happened. <laughs> 20 years, really? Yeah. 20, hold on, 25 years, actually. <laughs> Crazy, huh? Well, you look great for that, <laughs> for having that done that 25 <laughs> years ago. Uh, but like, what takes you from doing that to then, yeah, becoming this person who's like very outspoken about these, these sorts of issues, who like will go on GB News, who will yeah just talk about all of this and then someone who becomes a fan of David Icke and like like what on earth is that journey like because because most people would would sort of stereotype um someone who would be like yeah in Miss Universe as being perhaps a little bit airheaded maybe and I think that would be actually a very good stereotype because I do think they are and, and glamour models I was a page three girl for five years and I would say that most uh page three girls live up to their stereotype in real life um but no what happened i mean i um i guess i was studying economics so at the time when i won so i understood basic economics and how the monetary system that we've been taught works um and then actually i read david ike's book the bigger secret um around i think i was about 20 21 which then obviously, you know, studying, like I said, the economics and the monetary system, I had to look at it very differently because he put it into a different kind of perspective about the way, you know, money's kind of created, like we've seen in the last three years, just printed basically, and is worthless. But what is worth something are your assets, your home or land. Um, And how he kind of, he explained it 20 years ago, how you borrow this fake money that doesn't exist because banks are leveraging um, the money that's come in. So they send you some digits. It's not backed by anything. It just, it boom, it appears in your bank account, but it's not real. It's not, you know, they're not notes. They're not gold bars. They're not camels. They're just these digits that appear. You buy your house and you now have an asset. And then if the bank then wants to take it from you, then they now have and, ask, and you'll pay, you know, you, meanwhile, you're paying all this interest on money that never really existed because it was all leveraged anyway. And um, you then, you know, when they repossess your house, the bank then owns an asset. So 
he explains it far better than me. I don't do, <laughs> I don't usually go into that realm, but it, it just raised red flags in my head and I, I look more into it um, so that I could understand it better. And I think that was the journey for me. Then obviously I, I moved to Los Angeles. I lived in LA and before it became this ultra liberal, like insane place, um, it was quite a health, you had the very health conscious aspect of it. And it was there that I saw that a lot of what David talked about regarding big pharma and, um, you know, not just drugs, but also pesticides and, you know, the things that they put in our water and food. I started understanding more about that and the dark side of that and how, you know, they kind of don't care if you get ill because if you're ill, they find some drugs to treat you that whose the side effects are probably gonna make you more ill. But you're on this cycle with Big Pharma and you're a good customer and you're constantly feeding into, you know, their profits. So it was those kind of things years ago that I saw. But again, as I, you know, I was modeling at the time. It wasn't, it was always in my head. I just didn't really have anyone to talk to it about, talk to um, about it. Because they probably all think I was mad or like, oh, Nani, you're, you're kind of boring, like, why aren't we talking about shoes and clothes and handbags? Like, what's this weird stuff you want to talk about? So I kind of had my other friends that we go down these holes and talk about that stuff um, together. And um, I think that's how it started. So I've always had it in me. But what I think the catalyst was to really speak out was when lockdowns happened. And I knew the devastation that lockdowns would cause. And I could see this as being like, right, I know what they're gonna do here. They're gonna give you an option that you have to have a vaccine to set you free. And, and everything else about is gonna be irrelevant. The rush of it, side effect, everything else is gonna be irrelevant. What they're doing now is they're locking you down so that they can hold this little bit of magic that's gonna set you free. And I could tell, what was going to happen. So I was really outspoken about it. And then I got a load of abuse. And I thought, you know what? If I don't say, like, I can't be cancelled. I'm so lucky. Well, I, I mean, I could be cancelled. My, my agent called me and said, Lani, look, you know, you're speaking about a dodgy subject here, you might not work again. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll go, go and ride my horses every day and not even have to worry about having to be somewhere at A, B or C time. Mm. Um, so I could be counseled that way, but financially, you know, I'm independent from that. I've got a great fiance who supports everything that I do. Um, I don't really have a boss. Well, I don't have a boss. I work for myself. So you can't counsel me. Well, I, Nalani, I don't know like what you're saying. Oh, you're canceled. So it's not that doesn't it doesn't happen like that, does it? You know, when you're your own boss, you can't get fired for saying something you don't you don't like so uh, they don't like so I just thought if I if I don't speak out it you know I'm not I'm doing myself a disservice and I had to vent it anyway it felt good to get, get it out mm. it always felt good just to really like let out how I felt and then after a while I saw so many people on my feeds and um, in the comments and stuff saying god you know I really feel this way but I can't speak out because of work and I really admired what you're doing and um they had my back and they encouraged me and they would also make friends with each other and have their own private conversations and made friends with people that felt the same 
you know, from being on my page. So it, it kind of built like a little community of like-minded people. Um, <clears throat> and then obviously it moved on to like mandates and mm. and other really important issues that I think a lot of people want to speak out about, but they can't because, you know, they have to look after their families and, you know, work might fire them basically, which is mental, completely mm. mental. Yeah. Well, much respect for uh, having fuck you money and using it. Because <laughs> no, more people who, with fuck you money, re I really wish they they actually, um, yeah, used it to say fuck you and just spoke out and said exactly what they think. There's very few people who actually take that freedom and use it. Because it's also scary um, for a lot of people to have to, to you know, it's it's easy to hide behind that sort of, oh, I can't say this because this. Yeah, and, and I appreciate like I, the people that didn't for for you know you, you want to be able to feed your family like there's absolutely no judgment for me for yeah. for people who who really felt like that but but I wish the people who had that freedom would use it more you know yeah that's the thing I think there's a lot of people that are also afraid of backlash mm. or what people think about them and I lost that a long time ago I've never cared what people think obviously you know and maybe it's from doing from modeling or page three or whatever i knew who i was then i know who i am now so you know the labels and names that you want to call me because of anything that i do that aren't me it's over it goes over my head because i know that's not who i am and i've only ever cared that you know the people that i love dearest um you know, know who I am as well. So, you know, when I was called a granny killer, I know I'm not. It's the most stupid thing I've ever, I've ever heard of in my life. Do you know what I mean? I'd never impose my views on a little old lady or a little old guy on the street and say, look, I'm not in a mask, so I'm going to come and breathe over you. Like, if I can see they're frightened, you know, it's a, it's a shame, but, you know, I'll respect that person. But I also want to be able to um, express my views that I think, you know, it was completely utter bullshit and masks don't work or, or whatever, whatever it is. So I'm always respectful of other people. Um, so I know that I'm not, you know, I'm not any of the names that people have tried to slate me for or use or or anything else. And, and I think it, it was weird because, like, people would always say, like, would say to me I was brave for speaking out, but that has never ever once crossed my mind because I, I think you have to, you have to be true to yourself because otherwise, and the, and the more, and I'll say this as well, the more that you are true to yourself, the more you attract great people around you. And because if you're always putting on this fake pretense, then the people around you are gonna be people that either have, uh, living that fake pretense or really are that kind of person that you have to pretend you are. So you never, you never be truly happy. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, you're definitely right there. I mean, I think I was quite lucky in that I, I didn't really lose any friends over, over my, like I, I had friends who disagreed with me. Yeah. Um, I had friends who thought maybe I was a bit nuts. Um, <laughs> But like none of them ever like I never lost friends like because I know yeah. people who who lost like <laughs> like friends and and like at least for a time that like family members wouldn't speak to them and and stuff like that I, I feel I just feel very lucky that I I didn't as I was saying um I feel like sometimes when 
like some of the stuff you sort of ran through there that, that David Icke and, and people like this have been saying for a long time about like the, the degradation of the quality of our food through fertilizers and our farming techniques through the the sort of um, debasement of the currency, the separation of it from gold and now it's sort of worthlessness from like the, from from 2012 to I think it's 2018 or 19, they printed basically half a trillion pound in this in this country. And then yeah. from 2020 to 22, the tr it was another half a trillion. Um, and like, it's like people that suggest that can't do anything is insane. But you know what is interesting that I haven't seen that many people talk about is that um, the central banks of the world have per have not bought this much gold since 1967. So there's a there is a big push from central banks who have been selling off their gold for quite a while, um, who are suddenly purchasing it once again. Um, from an all-time low um, in 2010, I think it was, all the way up to, to 2022, where they've, yeah, it's the highest they've ever bought, like central banks have bought since 1967, which is really fascinating. Yeah, but, yeah. But the other thing that I wanted to pull up as well for people is that like, I, I always I always think about this when um, when people say, oh, why do you take like a multivitamin or whatever? They're like, yeah. oh, you know, just eat a healthy diet. And yeah. I, I, I never quite bought that. And then I read this book called Cytopia by, by Carolyn Steele, who I had on the show um, whew, two years ago now, actually. Um, and she was taught, she wrote a lot about how her food has lost a lot of its nutritious value. So right, I pulled right. up this, this thing from, um, from legalreader.com, but it's like citing some stuff that was talked about in the Guardian. So not some crazy person um, on the, <laughs> like some crazy, I don't know conspiracy theorist um wear that i wear that term like a badge of honor i know i agree, I agree. <laughs> it's, it's just like oh oh you think trust not trusting the government is is really a bad thing like <laughs> um, anyway so it says between 1940 and 1991 potatoes lost 45 47 percent of their copper 45 percent of their iron and 35 percent of their calcium content Broccoli lost 80% of its copper, while both broccoli and tomatoes only contain a quarter of the calcium they delivered in 1940. Like, there, <laughs> this, it's, it's like our food is not as nutritious as it used to be, right? And 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 this, this, I don't understand why this wasn't a part of the conversation during COVID, right. like about public health. Like I was talking yeah. to Anthony Genot, um, who this, who, which should be probably out before this uh, episode goes live. Uh, he's a uh, comedian uh podcaster and like pretty left-wing dude right and yeah. we we were we talked about how like the entire debate became a twitter fight instead of an actual discussion about public health right uh, right so uh, and so yeah basically i just want to point out that you're totally right in everything you just said <laughs> like, before someone says oh she's just listening to david Icke," because <laughs> I, I think it's really important to, to to point out when people are wrong no matter how crazy they seem <laughs> well no this is the thing it's really weird because um i'm vegetarian just not not for like car net zero or or any of these things but just because i'm such an animal lover um <clears throat> so you know it's not something i push on anybody or anything else but i have to take a bit of vitamin b12 supplement and mm. people are like oh that's because you don't eat meat but actually the reason it comes from meat is because animals are given a supplement so it should really? come around, yeah. So hang on, does that mean that like free range beef is not, hasn't got like vitamin 12 in or B12? Um, I think if it's free range, it might be different. 
because what happens is is b12 well organic i don't know if it would if it was organic free range would be different grass-fed maybe yeah but so b12 actually comes from bacteria in the soil and it's the bacteria in the soil that create b12 um with all the stuff that we're putting all the chemicals we use we've killed a lot of the bacteria in the soil so the soil doesn't produce b12 so a lot of root vegetables like carrots or potatoes or things grown in the soil would naturally be quite high in b12 but we've completely destroyed all this natural bacteria that should be in the soil and it's really hard even for animals now to get um vitamin b12 wow I love so, I love I love googling stuff that you had no I know about. like so, oh, this is sorry I, I am I am 100% listening I'm just on my other screen looking at like yeah, trying to bring no, stuff up I, for you um, I wish I could multitask like you <laughs> can <laughs> do that I get like so sidetracked otherwise but um and also I think and I totally agree that there was never the conversation about really good health during the lockdowns and COVID I mean like you know what do they tell you to stay in your house for 23 hours a day? You can only come out one hour a day. Well, what about sunlight, fresh air, just being outside? Like, you know, even if you don't, and that's another thing. I just got like absolutely ripped to pieces by one article because, because I said something like, it's always the unhealthy people telling healthy people how to live. And, and, and why is it that if you talk about like sunlight and, fresh air and being outdoors and you know not just a good healthy diet but sleep and rest and all the and, and all the rest of it why is it that they just everyone just thinks oh that that's that's nonsense that's nonsense you know it, big farmers made us think that you know being healthy is going to your doctor and him putting on you on a load of pills that are going to make you better and that's health mm. yeah yeah, I mean, I I still to this day will never understand why vitamin D was uh, being good for your immune system was labeled as a conspiracy theory. Like that was the, yeah. that was the most insane. That's that's when I really was like, what the fuck are these people at? Yeah. Like, like actually, like, what news reader is sitting there, or what scientist is sitting there and and look, read it, like listening to this and going, oh well, yeah, obviously vitamin D does nothing for the immune system. Like so, anyway, I pulled up some stuff here just about B twelve quickly for for people. Um, so apparently this isn't this is crazy so uh a cobalt like so yeah you're right that that um a lot of livestock get a vitamin b12 supplement right this is because apparently of a cobalt deficiency in the soil which uh is a component cobalt's a, co- a component of vitamin b12 so if there's cobalt deficiency in the soil it means that it's not in the grass and it leads to cobalt deficiency in sheep and cattle which leads to vitamin d uh, b12 deficiency which means that it, there isn't any in it which means that they end up getting it given as a supplement because it can like reduce their appetite cause anemia um in cattle it can um yeah uh oh reduced milk production in cattle as well that's interesting so basically it's the reason that we put b12 in the in with animals or the reason we give them that supplement is because the soil quality has become so bad that like they're no longer getting the nutrients from the soil wow which goes back to what we were talking about about the 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 vegetables and everything not being as nutritious anymore and isn't that wild as well that they'll go like, oh, you need one because you're vegetarian and normally you get it from the animals. But that's the only reason you get it from the animals because the animals are given the supplement because they're not getting it from the ground either. So it's just like, 
It's crazy. It's crazy. Wow. It's what a crazy world. So what do you think is going to happen? Like, how's the next couple of years going to go? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what? I'm always one of those people. I'm just like the optimist, the ever, ever the optimist. And I always try and be hopeful. Otherwise, what's the point, right? If I thought that nothing could change, then why would I bother? I could just totally isolate myself and just forget. But, you know, I speak out because I want there to be change. And so I'm hopeful that, you know, even you know, the last three years have been so drastic, but I actually do think it's woken a lot of people up who haven't really thought about it. Even if it's like stopped people trusting the news or just small things, they don't have to agree with everything I say, um, but it's made people go out, oh, hold on a minute, let me just look that up. Or it's like, great, like, you know, you, you just did it right there. You said, oh, hold on a minute, let me check that and let me see what's going on with vitamin B12 and why animals have it in the shops. And and I always say that everyone and everyone should do that. You know, with everything, I sit there always on my phone looking at all sorts of bits and pieces when I'm watching something. And, and, and I, you know, people should do that. But I do think going back to your point, because I wander off on tangents all the time, <laughs> going back to your point, I do think um, a lot of people are seeing what's going on. A lot of people are seeing like the illusion of democracy is die is dead or dying because you know I think a democracy had kind of died a little while ago, but there was still this illusion, and I think people, you know, with Richie Sunak being installed and all kinds of things like that going on, I think people are starting to see this this illusions wearing thin a little bit, and they can see, and you know, in that whole conspiracy that there's this global handful. I don't like to call them elites, but this global elite that's, you know, kind of instructing governments and everything else. Well, we see it now. It's WEF. Yeah, they give conferences. <laughs> they have conferences where they live stream their talks about it. Like, you know. The fact that like, people still deny it is insane. It's mad, isn't it? And, and and they have a lot of influence and a lot of power over what gets done and you, in, in government. And you even have Klaus Schwab himself saying, we will penetrate your cabinets. So, you know, there you go. Like, how can we deny what's going on? But I think I think people will rise up and people, humans always, you know, figure out a way, don't they? They, they usually figure out a way. And, and I think that's what happened, you know, and, and there's a lot of people saying, well, we know, Richie Sunak said it, they want like, you know, digital currency. Am I scared of that? I'm scared of digital currency itself, but I'm not scared that cash will go away because it can't, even if it's a black market for cash, even if people are taking cash illegally, mm. there will be cash or something similar to cash or barter or IOUs. So, um, you know, just my friend said to me today, she's like, ah, I was just in Sainsbury's and the power went out or the systems were down and they could only take cash. So, you know, I had another friend that said that he was at a race course and the same thing happened. They could only take cash at the bar because something wouldn't work. And I think, like I said, whatever there is, humans will find a way. And we must, like, you know, try and make sure we don't have these digital current, these uh, what central bank owned digital currencies, right? Mm. Not whatever. Yeah, else. CBDCs. Yeah. CBDCs. Um, and then obviously, like Richie, out of his own mouth as well, said they could be programmable which yes. would then, you know, link in with social credit. 
So you just, you know, it's humans have just got to see this and don't live in fear of it, but be like, okay, if this could happen, how do I um, protect myself? How do I put like this ring fence around me to make sure that I'm okay? And I'm always going to hold cash and I'll make sure that I know friends that will take cash and use cash and, and whatever. And, you know, I said to a farm friend of mine, I go, say, so introduce these, See, I always get the acronym. CBDCs. CBDCs. Can I still buy my hay off of you with cash? He's like, yeah, as long as the pub down the road lets me spend the cash in the pub. (laughs) Oh, love it. So, yeah, it's all about that, isn't it? Making sure that there's a small group of people that, you know, that they'll let it flow. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think the British public are quite ready to give up cash yet, thankfully. No. Um, but the CBDCs are so, <laughs> so insidious. And like yeah. people, like I keep seeing like sensible people, like well, I see um, Max Robespierre, who's a pretty left-wing dude, right? And he is a really big YouTube channel. Um, I tried to get him on the show. He agreed. And then I assume he saw some of my things and then he thought <laughs> it. But which is which is really funny because I have I work really hard to make sure I have people from left and right on this show in pretty much equal measure, right? Right. And it's so much harder to get the left wingers to come and speak about their ideas. Oh, yeah. They like at the right, like I can get really big people from the right and from the center, and and the left wingers are just impossible to get hold of. Um, I mean, not always. Like there's some some ones that are always willing to come and chat. Like uh, Marina Perkis, like big shout out to her. She's really like really intelligent, like commentator, talks a lot. I don't agree with everything she says, but she she came down, we chatted a lot about things and um, she was brilliant. But like generally they're very difficult to get hold of because they're not willing to defend their ideas, I think is the... Well, no, that's the thing. And they don't always have facts to back things up with either. So, you know, so it, it's hard. And, and But you see that it's like the left very quickly resort to name calling um, rather than... Or, or attacking the person rather than what the person is saying. Mm. Um, they don't always, they don't have great defense for, yeah. for the, the things they say. But yeah, but I'd seen I'd seen Max Robespierre. Um, he came up, he he basically tweeted like, "Why are the right afraid of digital currency?" And I was like, "Are you insane? Like they, like I don't understand because like the left, like in in like." I used to, I, I, I've gone crazy several times over the past few years, being like, have I changed? Have I changed the way I right. think about things? And like, I, I, I talked to a few people about this recently. They were like, no, you, you basically, like, you might have slightly different ideas about different policy positions, but like, you, you literally have the same ideas that you've always had, right? Yeah. People have, like, a lot of the left just seem to have, like, abandoned this idea of being skeptical of, like, centralization and government power and especially corporate power. Yeah. And I have yeah. no idea where this went. And, like, I, if there's anyone listening from to this show, and I know there are people on the left who still listen to the show, like, please, if you think I'm going crazy, tell me in the fucking comments. But I, I don't think I've changed my, my standards of, like, what I believe, what I need for, like, believing something, for evidence, for, like, I don't think I've changed the way I look at the world. <laughs> and and yet I, I watch myself seem to become, like, further and further from these people. It's so weird. Yeah, well, I think that's, that's how a lot of people are. I think there's a lot of people like me that have, I've always been quite centre. Um, you know, sometimes I would even have said in the past I've been a little more towards the liberal side, um, but it's like the left have done this enormous shift, like right over here. So now, centers here, 
I don't know if I'm showing up on the correct mm -hmm. side on the computer. The center's here. It's, this is left to me. Center's here now, but I'm still where I was, but I'm here. So right, you know, so now I'm right, aren't I? I'm like, and then, like, you know, people would be like, oh, my God, Lelani, you sound like a, a trumper or you sound like so right wing. And then I thought, well, hold on a minute. By today's standards, I guess I am. Like, what, what can I say? Like, you guys have shifted so far to the left that my ideas that have always, for the last 43 years, been in the middle are now right wing. It's the maddest thing. It's like, I mean, like, they're calling Russell Brand right wing. And that's how far it shifted. It's the stupidest one I've heard yet. The Russell Brand is right wing thing. Like, and, and like, I still believe in, in like, a, a publicly owned NHS. I believe we should probably nationalize. I think there's a very good case for nationalizing public transport, energy, water, um, communications lines. Like, I think there's really good cases for state ownership of loads of industries, right? And I would 100% back it. I was a big fan of Jeremy Corbyn. And, and like, the fact that I'm being caught, like, and, and yourself as well, like, the fact that we're considered right-wing now is so crazy. It's mad. It's just so mad. It's really mad. Not and even I that really... right-wing's a bad thing. That's the other thing. Like, being right-wing is not being evil. <laughs> All right, far left. Sorry, far. I've been called far. I mean, far right. Far right. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, this is this is insane. It's so insane. But anyway, um, Lalani, I've taken up a lot of your time, so I really want to thank you. Uh, this has been really fun. Um, like I said, people, if you think I'm going crazy, let me know in the comments. Um, <laughs> and yeah, uh, is there anything you want to point people towards, like your Twitter, something you want people to look at to promote or or anything? Uh just uh, catch me on Iconic from time to time. Um, actually, what am I talking about? Monday, Monday, sorry, Iconic Tuesday night, 7 p.m. I'm on there. GB News time to time. Um, I'm always like ranting on Twitter. Um, if you fancy looking at that, um, my Instagram's like being taken down. So you won't really see me on there. <laughs> Those right wing views, apparently, which used to be centre, but hey. Um, but no, thank you very much for having me on. Wonderful. Well, thanks very much, everyone. I'll put links for your Twitter in the description below and everything I pulled up as well. Hey, everyone. Thanks for making it right the way to the end of the podcast. I love that you tuned in this long. Do me a favor, hit subscribe because 80% of you bastards are not subscribing, but you're watching my videos. See you next time. So whenever I'd be out for a walk, whenever I was going to cook dinner, whenever I was doing cleaning, I always used to spend my time listening to music. And I still really enjoy listening to a lot of music. But what I've discovered is that I can consume so many more books when I'm using something like Open Audible. It's a fantastic, fantastic way for me to make my way through all the things I have to read for this podcast, for things I want to read for fun. That's like fiction and nonfiction. Sometimes I actually prefer fiction when it's being read to me. Uh, I like someone doing the voices, like someone, you know, really getting into the characters. In the case of both fiction and nonfiction, it allows me to spend way more time visualizing 
what I'm reading. So I can think more about the ideas, I can think more about the scenes that people are trying to paint, and ultimately it just gives my brain more space to think because I'm not concentrating on the words in front of me or trying to stay focused on it. Instead, I can just sort of mindlessly get on with whatever task I'm doing and listening via Open Audible. Now, the reason Open Audible is great is because it allows me to do it straight from my desktop. I try to stay away from my phone as much as possible in order to sort of maximize my productivity because it can be a very fast way to waste half an hour. Whereas if I just open my laptop and hit play on Open Audible, I can connect it to my Bluetooth speaker and then I don't even have to go anywhere near my phone. Do you like free stuff? I'm sure you do. Well, I'm going to give away a free copy of Open Audible to one lucky person that signs up for my mailing list in the next month. Now, those of you who are already signed up, don't worry. You can be involved in the draw as well. Just give me a rating or review on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts and post it on Twitter. Send it to me via email. Respond to something I've posted on YouTube. Somewhere you can prove you've got a screenshot and I will enter you in the draw. I have to admit, I used to be a little bit of a book snob. I wouldn't even consider a Kindle, let alone an audiobook. It just felt like cheating. But that is until I tried Audible and Open Audible. Ever wonder where I find the time to read all the books that my guests have written on this show? Well, this is the answer. When I'm behind in my reading, I just jump to audiobook. Open Audible is a cross-platform audiobook manager designed for Audible users that can allow you to download, view, manage, and connect your favorite audiobooks on MP3 so that you can enjoy them across all your devices. Best of all, you can control it all from a desktop application. I'm giving away a copy of Open Audible for the entire month of November. All you have to do is sign up to my mailing list. You'll find the link in the description below or go to openaudible.org for more information.